Hi, good morning. <laughs> Yay. Um, gosh, I've, um, I've heard about these coffee talks for a number of years and heard really great things. And so I feel really privileged to be here this morning and to meet with you ladies and share a little bit of my story. Um, so I'm a wife um, to my husband, Brian, and we've been married about, about nine years. Um, I'm always the one that forgets that. He always remembers. Um, that's a bit embarrassing, but just to be honest. Um, I have two children. So um, I have a five-year-old boy called Keelan who just started kindergarten. So we are just entering into the whole public school, exciting, um, exciting kindergarten life. And then um, I have a 16-month-old. And yeah, I know, he's so cute. Um, I actually thought I should have bought some pictures. That would have been good next time. Um, but his name is Phoenix. And um, he is just the cutest little happy all the time. But the problem with my children is they don't sleep. I don't know if you've had kids, if you've had kids in your family, you've watched kids, you know this is a problem. This means that this mama is tired and I, I drink a lot of coffee. But apart from that, they're great and I love being a mom. Um, I originally grew up in England. That's where I'm from. I moved out here when I was 18. And I moved out here to join an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission. Um, your church has partnered with YWAM and we're so grateful for that. We're interdenominational, international uh, Christian organization. So we're in every country of the world. And um, we look different all over the place. But here um, in the Bay Area, we actually have 15 locations. So we're here in San Francisco, and we're down in San Jose, and we're all over the place, Fremont, um, different, different cities in the Bay Area. Um, so I moved out here when I was 18. And um, I'm going to share a little bit of my story kind of throughout my message this morning. But just to kind of um, introduce the work that I do, because this, this matters, I'll just tell you a little bit. I, I moved out here 18, and I grew up in a village in England. And it's exactly everything that just came to your mind right there when I said the word village. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. It was quaint. It was small. It was pretty. Um, I walked to school every day through fields of cows and sheep, like, you know, cobbled streets, thatched roofs. That was my experience. And at a young age, which I'll share more about later, God called me into ministry, and I ended up moving to the Tenderloin. Yeah. So uh, this was my first experience of, of America. And uh, I moved to the Tenderloin, and I was like, okay, like this is different. And you'll be pleased to know since then I've traveled more and I've seen that there is lots of different, uh, different parts to America, all def definitely unique. The Tenderloin is certainly unique. Um, and I moved in there and I lived, we have a Y1 building right there across from Glide Church, if you're familiar with the area. I moved into an apartment, which I shared with some girls. I was doing a training school, missions training school. And um, I remember just like kind of looking out at the street and thinking, what have I got myself into? This is like the biggest mistake of my life. That's what I thought, right? And so often when we step into those things that are scary and feel like so much bigger than ourselves, they just have to be the Lord. And, and it was. I came here for six months. Um, I fell in love with San Francisco. I came back for two years. And now 16 years later, I'm still here. Um, I still work with the same organization, and I love it. Um, I started... Initially with YWAM, I started working with students, and I would take them overseas. So I traveled a lot in Asia and also in Africa, and we would go for a few months at a time, kind of missionary training. Throughout that experience, I had opportunity to minister to women, and that's really out of this kind of season of my life that Because Justice Matters was birthed. 
um, I started doing work in Bangkok in strip clubs. And we started going in and just praying for women. And my heart just kind of get touched for women, but it wasn't my focus. I just kind of you know, felt God's heart for them, loved them, um, really had a draw to work with women who were trapped in the sex industry. At the same time when I was in San Francisco, when I wasn't traveling, I started doing outreach to women in prostitution. So I would come out here actually to the mission at night and begin to build relationships with women and pray for them. And I don't know whether this has ever been you, but I prayed for so many years that God would send someone to start a ministry to women. Um, <laughs> you all know what I'm going to say. And so often, <laughs> we are the answer to our own prayers, right? And, um, and I was just one of those women that I feel like God had called to, to really start working with women full time. And, and so that's what Because Justice Matters is about. We're a Christian ministry that's focused on women and girls here in San Francisco. We are San Francisco focused. We have a women's center in the Tenderloin. And we do a variety of different ministry, but ideally what we're doing is we're, we're reaching women who are victims of sexual exploitation, victims of violence, um, and also women who are isolated, maybe because they don't speak English or maybe because they're in poverty. And um, we're building relationships with women. That's really the heart of what we do. And so there's a bunch of ways that we do that. We do have a table next door. So at the end, if you want to learn more, you can kind of find out more there. But one of the ministries we do is nail day. And so we, um, we offer free manicures to women every Monday afternoon. So we have anywhere between 20 to 40 women that come in and we paint their nails, and you know, so many of us just love to be pampered and beautified, and it's just a wonderful opportunity to sit across the table with a woman and just love on her and bless her and build a relationship with her. We also have, in our women's center, we have a dance studio, and so we're working with girls who live in the Tenderloin, anywhere between the ages of about three through to middle school. We do ballet with them. Um, it's really um, cute. We have some pictures over there. If you go to our website, um, you can see all these cute little girls in tutus. And it's just the best thing, just to really build that self-confidence and that self-esteem. We have small group healing sessions going on, forgiveness groups, and some therapy, and all kinds of things. But that's really kind of what I'm about and where I focus my time. And really, that came about because of these encounters that I had um, through those first few years in YWAM. And one of the girls that I met um, was named Kara, and I met her right when I moved to San Francisco when I was 18, and I was so naive and fresh off the boat, and I didn't, like, I just didn't know. I didn't understand homelessness. I didn't understand being on the street, but I met this, this woman, and she wasn't the first woman I had met, but she was the first mother I had met that was on the street with her kids, and she had two young children, and I didn't really understand how to help her. A few students and I raised some money and kind of helped to get a hotel room, and you know, spent the holidays with her and tried to hang out with her kids. And um, I didn't realize until many years later how much that relationship had impacted me and, and really kind of stirred God's heart in me for women. And around the same time, I met, um, I met a girl called Laura, and she was working out in the mission. She was trapped in a lifestyle of prostitution. And we would go out there every week and just build a relationship with her. We'd hand out brownies and flowers and just be present. She knew us as the brownie girls. She'd always be like, do you have brownies? I'm like, yes, we have the brownies. Um, but we also have Jesus. Um, you know, like, either she was one of the brownies, Jesus, you know. But uh, we got to, like, really love on her and, like, build relationship with her. And she opened her life up to us. And, um, and it's funny with, with Laura, many years later, like a decade later, I bumped into her in the Tenderloin. And I was like, hey, I know you. She's like, you're the brownie girl. I am the brownie girl. So God will use whatever to build relationships. So that's a little bit about how I got into what I do and what I do. Um, but this morning, we are going to 
I'm going to share a little bit from the scripture with you and then kind of weave my life into it a little bit if I can. Um, our scripture reference for today is from Psalm 1, verse 3, and um, I'm going to read it from the screen because I have a different version, but it says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And of course, if you read the beginning of this psalm, you see that it goes on to talk about this is the one who delights in the Lord. This is the one who's blessed because they're walking with the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I, I actually really like this psalm. It's always been one of my favorites. I'm kind of one of those um, people that I need imagery. It helps me. Like, I need a visual. And when I see the visual of the tree, that really helps me kind of understand what's going on here. And this should encourage us because what this scripture says is that we are actually designed to bear fruit. Like, we are actually purposed and destined to bring about a harvest and to bring about something good. And that should encourage us because, I mean, I know in my life there have been seasons that I've thought, am I ever going to succeed at anything? Am I just like, is it just going to always fall apart? Is it always going to be difficult? Am I always going to put the effort in and not see the results? And what the scripture is saying is that God actually designed us to bear fruit. So I just want you guys to receive that this morning and be encouraged and be filled with hope that God's plan for you is for you to succeed. God's plan for you is actually that you would experience abundance, that you would experience blessing, and that you would reproduce that to give to other people. So this is a really encouraging scripture. And what this also tells us is because we're designed to bear fruit, it's not just for us, right? It's to go out there. It's to nourish and to bless other people that we're called to live as part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves, right? It's not just like, okay, be a nice tree that looks pretty, but like actually bear something, give birth to something, produce something that other people even like, man, I want some of that. Like that looks so good. And so we're part of something that God's already doing. It's bigger than us. Um, you know, God delights in us bearing fruit. God delights in us bearing fruit. Like, it's, it's part of his plan. It's part of his purpose for us. And, um, and we need to just hold on to that this morning. God delights in us and what he does through us. And the purpose of us bearing fruit is not just so God can be like, that's right, work harder, do something for me, let me use you. But he knows that we are designed to bear fruit, and it brings us joy. It brings us joy. It brings us a sense of like, yeah, this is my destiny. This is fulfilling for me. So God wants that for you. And sometimes I think we have this image of God that like, oh, he's a bit of a taskmaster. I just got to bear more fruit, got to do more stuff, got to give more, got to work more. And I think what the Lord would want to say to us this morning is, I want you to bear fruit, absolutely. But it will be so fulfilling for you and such a blessing for you as you do that process with me. So God's really delighting in us. You know, um, you guys have this, uh, this, this wonderful little um, brochure with you. And like Laura was saying earlier, the theme for Coffee Talk is plant, water, grow, harvest. And if we um, had to choose one of those to focus on, we would probably choose the harvest, right? Um, I love it when I walk into a church and someone goes, today is going to be a sermon about harvest and abundance, and like God just coming through and seeing all this outward expression. And you're like, yeah, I, that's what I want. Like, we all want that sermon. But I feel like what God's saying to us today is, what about when we don't see the fruit? What about when we don't see the harvest? What's going on is, does it mean that we're in sin? Does it mean there's something wrong in our life, that we're not working hard enough? 
that we're not doing something that we should be? Are we missing God? Has God abandoned us? What's going on when we don't necessarily see the fruit? We're going to be talking about what's going on in that, those seasons where it's the planting, it's the watering, it's the growing. And how do we respond to that? What's God up to? I wanted to read to you, this is from the Fruit Tree Foundation. And they say, the first three to four years in the life of a fruit tree needs to be focused on the development of the main structure of the tree and not on fruit production. As the tree matures, fruit begins to develop. And what this tells us is a tree is actually embarking on a long-term process, right? And so much of us, uh, so much of this culture that we're living in today is like instant, right? Like, I don't know about you, but um, I, you know, sometimes I attempt to grow plants. That, that icebreaker was kind of funny because I've definitely killed more than I've grown. Um, and sometimes I plant with my, my eldest, with Keelan, and we'll plant seeds. And he's kind of like me. It's kind of like an hour later. Is it there? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, honey, it takes some time. And even the next day, okay, I've given it a night. And it's like trying to explain to a child, like, growth takes time. It's a long-term process. How much more a beautiful, bearing fruit, like, fruit tree, how much more um, investment and time and process is part of that? So this tree is embarking on this long-term process. And what this also tells us about when we look at the fruit tree is that it's absolutely normal to have seasons of our life where we're not seeing all the abundance. That it's actually part of the DNA of a tree to need to get strong, to need to be developed, to need to be pruned in order to bear that good fruit. And so when we go through those seasons, we're like, man, I just don't see it right now. I just don't see all the answered prayer that I've been hoping for. I'm not seeing my ministry flourish. I'm not seeing all the stuff that I'd hoped would happen. That that process is actually important, and it's actually normal. Just like the fruit tree, our lives are a long-term process. We have these seasons of fruit, right? And so many of us could probably point to times like, man, I remember when I was serving in that ministry. Like, everyone we prayed for was getting healed. Or like, everyone we met on the street was like, just loving Jesus. Or like, I was mentoring this person. It felt like they were growing. And I, I saw the outward expression of my faith. I saw the kingdom of God tangibly, and it was like, yeah, it was a season of harvest. So many of us can point to that, but I wonder, probably more of us can relate to, there has been big gaps where I feel like I've just been trying to be faithful, or I've just been working, and I've been praying. I've been praying for my spouse. I haven't seen them come to the Lord yet. I've been praying for my kids, and I haven't seen it. I've been faithful in serving and loving. I've been attending events, and I've been like trying to dig into community, but I haven't felt it yet. What's going on in these seasons? In the life of a fruit tree, they actually call that a dormant season. A dormant season. So what does that mean? Is it, is it dead? Is nothing happening? You know, we get discouraged, don't we, when we don't see stuff. Um, just like my five-year-old. It's like, where is the growth? I don't see the little seedling come up. We start to get discouraged. Can we like, well, did we water it? Did we overwater it? Did we need to put it in the light? Like, do we need to do something different? And that's so often our response. Like, do we need to do something to push along the will of God in our life? Do we need to do something to make the fruit come? And I think that what God wants to speak to us this morning is that actually those seasons where we don't see it are just as vital. They are just as vital. See, we get discouraged and we miss the process because we're so focused on the end result. We're so focused on the harvest that we forget that we're a fruit tree, and we forget that God delights in growing a strong, beautiful fruit tree. 
I think sometimes it's kind of like we shoot ourselves in the foot, like, I want to bear fruit, I want to bear fruit. But we're just kind of, we're not really planted deep. And we're not well watered. And we haven't grown strong branches. But we want the fruit and we get frustrated with God and like, where's the fruit? And I feel like a loving father is just like, not yet. Like, you're not ready. I'm doing something in you because I love you so much. Don't miss this process of growth. Don't miss the season of planting and going deep. Because one day I know you're going to need those roots. One day I know your roots are going to have to go so deep. And if they're not there, you're going to die. You're going to shrivel. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to walk away from ministry and be like, it's been too much. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm like exhausted. I've, I've, I've given out so much. So this process, this long-term process, is actually part of the loving Father of God, that he wants to develop us and make us strong, that we would flourish and bear good fruit. So God is in this process, and so much of what he's doing is restoring us. Like I said at the beginning, this scripture should be encouraging to us. Like, yeah, we're designed to bear fruit. We're designed to be successful. We are designed to walk in who God has called us to be. Um, I know in my life, there's been seasons and many years where I haven't even known who I was. I didn't know who God called me to be. I didn't know what my gifts were. I didn't know what my destiny was. I didn't know what he was, had put in me from the moment of conception. I didn't know that. And so much of our life is kind of coming back into alignment with like who God says you are. I wonder this morning, do you know who you are? Do you know who God calls you? If, if someone stood in front of you this morning and said, who has God called you to be? Would it kind of be like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm still figuring it out? Or are we so planted in God? Are we so firm in him that we're like, yeah, I am a child of God. I'm a queen in the kingdom of God. I have authority. I have destiny. I have purpose. I'm not an accident. I am not a mistake. I'm going somewhere because God is leading me and directing me. So the seasons of our life where we're not seeing fruit, God's doing other stuff. And we don't see it often, but God is faithful and he loves us. And he's just bringing us back in to alignment with who we are. I think what's, what's funny too is like we're on this journey of like trying to figure out what should we do with our lives? No matter what our age is, what should I do? Where should I put my time? Where should I put my focus? And, and some of us don't know what God had in mind when he conceived us. I, um, I grew, like I said, I grew up in a village. I was never a city girl. Um, I, I lived in the country. That's what I knew. That's what I was comfortable with. And at the age of about 13, God took me on a school trip. And I say God took me. I don't mean that super spiritually, like God transported me. <laughs> I just mean that, like, it was really part of God's plan. I thought I was just going on a school trip. We went to Paris. The, oh, I know. That's the great thing about growing up in Europe. It's like all of these things are, like, right there. Um, we went to Paris. And one evening, me and my friends, like, um, the school kind of took us up to this high place, and we were looking at the Eiffel Tower. And it's beautiful at night. I've never been back since, and I really hope to one day. Um, but the Eiffel Tower was all lit up, and, and Paris was just lit up, and we were on, on top of this high place, and it was dark all around. My friends were goofing off. We were taking photos, having fun. We were away from our parents, some of us for the first time. Like, it was like, yeah. And I stood there, and I cried. I cried. And I was embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, and I was like, what is going on? Why am I crying? Why do I feel weird? Like, and I didn't know what was going on in me. I didn't know until probably a decade later. And I realized what God had done in my heart in that moment was shifted my heart to cities. 
because I am a city girl. I didn't know it then. Um, I've lived in San Francisco 16 years. My husband and I are kind of the people that are like, we're always going to live here. We're never leaving. If we leave, we're going to go to like another city. We vacation in cities. We love cities. I read about cities. Like We're just city people. I didn't know that when I was 13 years old. But when I looked at Paris, something happened in my heart. And I believe it was God just reshuffling things like, this is who you are. You're a lover of cities. You may never knew that, but that's what I had in mind for you when you were conceived. That's the destiny I had for you. So this kind of shift happened, and it brought about this emotional response. And now, very often, when I stand on high places at night and look over cities of the world, I get moved in the same way. And it took a long time for me to recognize that that was the Holy Spirit at work in my life. When I was 16, I went to a youth camp in England, and we had a youth pastor from Los Angeles, and he was working with gangs and all kinds of things, crazy stuff down in LA. He got up and spoke, and again, I wept. I just cried through the whole message. And it was in that moment that God called me into ministry, and I knew that at 18, I was just going to leave home and go. And he started talking about cities, and he started talking about the inner city. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want that. And I think that those two things were connected in my life that God was working strategically to bring me back into alignment. Like, this is who you are. This is your calling. This is what you were destined for. So I had these very key moments in my life. God is so faithful. He knows who we are. These dormant seasons of our life are just as powerful and necessary as the fruitful seasons. When I was 13, when I was 16, I wasn't racing out doing ministry. I wasn't moving to a city. I remember the tension of feeling like, God's moving in me, but I don't know what he's doing, and I don't understand it. And that's so much of our story of our lives, probably the big chunk seasons of our life. God is moving in us, but we don't understand and we don't see it. And so often it's not until we reflect and think, okay, Lord, how have you been moving? What have you been doing in me? That we begin to realize that God actually has this plan. And I think sometimes we think when our, se when our seasons are quiet, that God just steps away and he's doing something with someone else. Say, oh, I'll get back to you, just sideline you, right? Like, we laugh because we can all relate to that. I mean, I remember when I became a mom, I felt that way. I felt like, I'm, I'm home, I'm changing diapers. I'm nursing at 2 in the morning, and at 2.30 in the morning, and at 3 in the morning, you know, like, what am I doing? What am I doing for the kingdom of God? That's what I struggled with. I felt like I'd been sidelined. And I look back now, and I realize that God was working in me in those early, early years of being a mom, in those years when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, and I just thought I was being a kid. And God was rearranging me and doing something in me so that when I moved to San Francisco at 18, when I met Cara, when I met Laura, that something was in me, a love was already ignited in me. If I had come without those experiences, I wouldn't have been ready. So God is actively making us ready for what he has for us. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. You know what I love about this is that God takes so much of the initiative in our lives. Like, there is so much of it that is a partnership and we have to say yes to and engage with, but this is not a God that just sits back, puts his feet up and says, okay, when you do A, B, and C, I'll engage with you and I'll like show you some stuff and maybe I'll give you some revelation when you earn it. That's not how God works in us. He is so actively pursuing us 
He is so actively going after us and saying, I want you, I want to develop you, I want to water you, I want to grow you, I have something so good for you, that he is pursuing you. And even this morning, I feel like some of you here, like you maybe you don't know why you're here. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you're like, gosh, I barely like crawled out of bed this morning. Like God wants you here this morning. God has something for you this morning. And he wants you to know that he has not sidelined you. He has not given up on you. And if you don't see it, let faith rise up inside of you this morning that God is working in your life. God is working in your circumstance, in your marriage, in your job, with your kids, in your neighborhood, in your ministry. God is already there. In fact, when you're not there, he's still there. Amen? Like when we're not with our kids, like send my kid off to kindergarten, and I could enter into this place of fear of like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to him? The influences, blah, blah, blah. Or I could say, you know what, God? I can't be there, but you are there with him, and I trust you with his life. When I'm not with my husband, I trust him to the Lord. When I'm not at Because Justice Matters, I'm like, okay, God, you're there, and you are actually kind of way more effective than I am, <laughs> right? So why don't I just like get in the stream of what you're doing and just say yes and amen to that and trust you. God is actively pursuing us. You know, the dormant times of our life can be tricky um, because it looks like death. And, you know, we opened up with an icebreaker about plants this morning. And um, I, um, I like to, well, that's not the right. I have grown some orchids. I won't say I like to, but it, is, it hasn't been, like, super successful. Uh, periods of my life, people have given them to me as gifts. And um, if you've ever grown an orchid, you'll know exactly what I'm going to say. But they flower, they look lovely, and then you have months of nothing. You have nothing. It looks dry. You're kind of like, what's going on? And... I actually think now in hindsight, I've thrown a few away that I probably shouldn't have um, because I thought they were dead. I thought because they weren't blossoming that they were dead. And so much of that is the same in our lives. And what happens with orchids is suddenly, out of nowhere, I mean, right, you wake up one morning, you're like, what the heck? You have been teasing me all these months. Like, you had something going on, and I had no idea. And here you are back to life again. And it's, that's a joyful thing when your orchid comes back to life. But you know what? It's an even more joyful thing when we begin to believe that in those seasons of our life, God is working too. You know, the interesting word, they use the word dormant for trees. But other words, if you look it up in a thesaurus, you can, you can interchange it with hibernating or smoldering. Smoldering. I read that and I was like, oh yeah, I like that. Because that means it's not dead. It's not over. It's not a failure. In fact, it's a season where God is doing something and it's smoldering in me and something good is happening. And I feel like some of us this morning, we need to like look at our lives and look at our circumstances and be like, God, you're not absent. You're smoldering right there. Something's going on and one day there's going to be an eruption. And it's going to be like that morning you wake up and you look at your orchid and you're like, okay, there's the life. God is not done with you and God is not done with your circumstance. God is working in us even when we are not aware. Um, you know, I think God really likes to work behind the scenes. Um, and he often works in dark places. Now, what I mean by that, I'm not talking about sin, and I'm not talking about hidden parts of our life, deceptive parts. What I mean is God works in the unknown so much. In Genesis 1, it says that the Holy Spirit like hovered over the earth, and it was void, and it was formless, and it was dark. And out of that darkness, out of that nothing, God created everything. In Psalm 139, it says that he knit us together in the secret place. 
in the dark place of the womb, God creates life. That's what God does. He moves in places that we don't know and we don't understand. And he's capable of so much more. Like we often think, well, it's not right here, so it's not happening. But what faith does, it takes us to that deeper place and says, God operates in this place. And I don't even know what that place is. And I don't know what it looks like, but God is at work. And I feel like he wants to stir us this morning to kind of reach out and be like, okay, Genesis 1, Psalm 139, you are the God that creates and builds and brings life and form to things out of the absolute unknown and the unseen. And I think there's places in our life where we're kind of like, okay, I don't know how God's going to do that with that. But there's a whole bunch of stuff here we don't even know we have. There's a whole bunch of inheritance and blessing and authority and gifts that we're not even aware of yet. And it's like God just loves to surprise us someday. Like someone will pray over us and we'll be like, I just see this in you. Or like we start to volunteer or serve somewhere. You're like, wow, I really like this. I didn't know I was good at this. And some of us, I feel like this morning, need to just be encouraged that there is places that it's almost like uncharted territory of your life. And God's leading us on this adventure. And like, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see the life blooming doesn't mean I'm not growing anything. You know, when I was pregnant with, with my first, with my second, you know, you find out you're pregnant, but you're not feeling anything. You don't see anything. It's just like you kind of know you are, and then you go and you get the ultrasound, and you're like, okay, I see it, but there's nothing like the first kick, right? There's nothing like that first flutter of just like, oh, wow, there's somebody in there. That's super weird. And, and then later on when you're like nine and a half months pregnant, which is what I was, and you really feel the kicks, and then you're just like, there is someone in there that just needs to come out, right? <laughs> but like that first that movement, I think this morning some of us, like the Holy Spirit just wants to do just like a little movement, like, Something is growing. Something is happening. Don't be discouraged. I'm in it. I'm moving in your life. So what is our responsibility? What are, what are we supposed to do in response to these seasons of planting and watering and growing but not seeing yet the harvest? Well, I want to encourage you to don't wait to see the fruit to be obedient. Faithfulness is for a lifetime and not just a season. I want to tell you a little bit about how we started a couple of things at Because Justice Matters. When we first started seven years ago, it was me and one other girl, and we just didn't really know what we were supposed to do, but she was a cosmetologist by trade, and we had this idea that we would start painting nails. And it was so small. I honestly cannot remember to this day how we came up with it. I think it was just random conversation. How do we begin to build relationships with women? What would they enjoy? So she would sit at a table in front of our building, in the streets of the Tenderloin by herself, and invite women over to get their nails painted. And women would come, and, and maybe one or two a week. And that was great in the summertime, which is really the fall, I guess, here. And then it got cold, and it got rainy. This was back in the day when it actually used to rain more. Um, and so she would come to me, and she'd be like, gosh, Ruthie, people's hands are shaking. They're so cold. And I was like, oh, gosh, that's not great ministry. So let's move it into the garage. So we had this garage that kind of was right down the street. We pulled up the door. We set the table in there. We wanted to be kind of on the street so people could see us. And she would continue. Then she's like, it's just still too cold. No one's coming. So we were like, okay, let's move it inside. And at the time, you know, we had a drop-in center. We still do, but YWAM had this drop-in center that was running on a Monday afternoon. And we, we negotiated with them. was like, hey, can we have the space just for women? 
And at this point, we were like two or three women. I mean, we weren't seeing this harvest of abundance. We weren't seeing people like banging on the door being like, let me receive Jesus, or like, my life's so broken. You know, we would have a woman that would come over and just be like, do my nails, you know? Like, <laughs> it was like, it wasn't like this great, it wasn't like this huge ministry report where we were like sending out newsletters and everyone's like, here's some money, you guys are changing lives. We were just painting 10 fingers, you know? Like, and so we moved it inside, but we did it. We did it every single week and every single month. And we have done, bar, you know, a couple of holidays here and there a year for the last seven years. And we now have anywhere between 20 to 40 women every single week that walk through our doors. We've had women that have been coming for that entire seven years. And we could have said in the beginning, gosh, this is not the most effective ministry. We're not seeing the masses here. We're not seeing the fruit and the harvest. But what God spoke to us was be faithful, be consistent. And I think if we can grab those things in our lives and in the ministry that God has called us to, no matter what it is, serving coffee, working with kids, outreaching on the street, preaching, doing media, worship, whatever it is, if we can be consistent and faithful, God will bless it. If we can be consistent and faithful, God will bless it. Because that's how he works in our lives. He calls us to partner with him. Just because he's showing initiative and just because he wants the fruit and just because he's good and loving doesn't mean we put our feet up and be like, all right, God, do your thing. And I'm just going to be like, yeah. No, we're supposed to partner with him. We're supposed to engage with him. And part of that is this faithfulness piece. We could have given up, but we would have missed the harvest. And we've seen the harvest. We've seen people give their lives to the Lord. We've baptized women. We've seen women set free. We've seen our women who've had life chains go out and reach more women and bring those women in. We would have missed that if after the first year we'd been like, you know, it's too cold. Right? Like sometimes we hit these challenges and we're like, it's a bit too demanding of my time. I'm not seeing the fruit quite yet. I'm going to jump over here. I'm going to serve that ministry. Gosh, they look like they see fruit all the time. And then we're there for a year and like, gosh, this has its challenges too. I'm just going to jump over to that ministry. I want to encourage you that be planted somewhere. Let God grow you in that context. Be consistent. Be faithful. You will see the fruit in your life and you will see the fruit in the people that you minister to. January 2012, I went back to Thailand. I took my family with me. And I took some of the girls on the team, and we went to do a very specific ministry outreach in Bangkok and in the south of Thailand, in Pattaya. And we went to go learn. We had been doing ministry with women for a number of years, and we were like, let's go somewhere else where we know they're doing ministry, and let's just glean. Let's just learn, and let's see what's working for them, and let's see what God would want to speak to us. So we did about a 10-day trip. And while my very amazing husband watched our then two-and-a-half-year-old, I traveled around with these girls to different ministries. We went into strip clubs. We went into sex clubs. We went out onto the beach and ministered to women. We were everywhere. And just asking people who were running ministries, what is working? Where do you see God's blessing? Where do you see lives being changed? And the consistent mes message that we got back was relationship and community. And this was something that we were already kind of on. We'd been building relationship at our nail day. But what God began to speak to us on that trip was, you need your own place. We had been sharing this building with YWAM for a number of years now, and God was like, you need a women's center. And we're like, okay. So God began to plant the seed, and we began to talk about it. But it was 18 months before we opened the door on a women's center. 
We went home from that trip, we fundraised, we prayer walked, we <coughs> prayer walked, and we prayer walked. And um, one day I came to work and I went out on a prayer walk with one of my friends and we found this place and it was a dump, like an absolute dump. It hadn't been used for many, many years. Um, it like needed walls tearing out, there was no electricity, there was no running water, there was no floors in part of it, like it was a disaster. But I was like, this is it, <laughs> like this is it. Um, because I started to think like, what could we do? This is like, you know, it's like a blank canvas. What could we do with this space? And God so miraculously just partnered with us in that process with a contractor that loved the Lord and was like, I will pro bono, I will work with you. Really was a godsend. And we began to build what, what is now the Women's Center. It's called The Well. And it was such a process, guys. I, um, I, I mean, I'm not a contractor. I've never, like, built anything before. And, you know, you suddenly, in a very short period of time, you have to become an expert on IKEA units and paint <laughs> colors. And really, is that, is that floor going to be hard enough? Let's scratch it. Let's just give it a try. Like, and then we, were, when we were like near the end of the project, and God spoke to me one day and said, dance studio. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, dance studio, great idea, God. But what do I know about building a dance studio? Chatting with dinner with one of my friends over, over uh, one night and over dinner, and she said, oh, I'm mentoring this girl at our church, and she dances for the San Francisco Ballet. I'm like, okay, that's pretty awesome. So um, she came in and just helped us, like, design the whole space and gave us advice, and then someone wrote me an email. I was like, we just really want to give you a specific amount of money for something very meaningful, and this lady had two daughters, and I wrote her back and like, hey, we're, we're building a dance space for kids just the same age as your daughters. She's like, I'm gonna buy the mirrors. So we have this whole wall of mirrors and like God just came through and just provided. But you know what? If we had given up in February of 2012 because we didn't see it happen, because God had spoken in Thailand, but maybe now we were back home and maybe it wasn't gonna happen. Or every time I hit a challenge, which was so many times, like I cried so many times in that process of building the Women's Center. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing, but God knew what he was doing. And so much of life is just navigating forward and being like, okay, God, you're working in the unknown. Like, you want a women's center. You're going to provide the people, the funds, the strategy. You're going to bring it about. So I want to encourage you this morning. Like, maybe there's something that you've been dreaming of, of like, I just want to see this happen. I have this idea for ministry, but I don't know how to get there. People come to me all the time, and they're like, hey, can we sit down and talk about how you started BJM? Because I want to do what you guys are doing in this different city or in this different part of the country. And my message to them is be consistent and faithful. Be consistent and faithful. Start painting one person's nails. And sometimes people are like, oh, that's a good word. You know, like, <laughs> that's not going to get my church really excited. That's not going to make people throw thousands of dollars at my ministry. Nope. But I tell you whose attention you will get, Jesus. And that's all the attention that I want, frankly. Because when I have his attention, when I have his favor, everything else just seems to clear out the way. And that's my advice when people ask me, like, how do I start ministry? How do I see this really get revved up? Be consistent and faithful and just listen to the voice of the Lord. And as we walk that out and as we trust, even when we're not seeing the fruit that God is at work, then one day we're going to wake up and that orchid will have flowered and be like, God, you are so faithful. And we'll point back to seasons of our life and just be like, I thought it was over. I was going to give up. But God, you're so faithful. Gosh, I like tear up thinking about that because it's the faithfulness of God.
these seasons of our life where we don't see the fruit, they're invitations to say, yes, God, I'm still here. I'm still in it with you. I still love you. I know you haven't forgotten me or my circumstance. You know this, this desire for ministry I have or to see my family changed or to see me change my job. And you, you know all these things, God, and you're faithfully working behind the scenes in the unknown, in the secret place. And sometimes I like to imagine, just like he knits children together in the womb, he's just knitting together my story somewhere. He's knitting together my destiny, my provision, my marriage, my relationships. Like, he's just working. And it's like, while I'm just here, the Lord's just like, I'm doing it, Ruthie. I'm doing it right here. I'm building something. And one day it's going to come to birth. It's going to come to pass. And it's going to be beautiful. That's the kind of God we serve. I'm going to invite the band back up, and we're going to just move into a reflection time this morning. Um, on your, uh, your brochure here, we have some questions, and um, we're going to take just a few minutes as the band plays. I want to give you the opportunity to, to really take out a pen if you want to and begin to like just process through some of what you've heard this morning and respond. Um, if you don't have a pen or if you're just not a writer, and I totally get that. Some of us are just like, I'd just rather sit in, in quiet and just pray. That's all good. Um, but it says, an, identify an area of your life that feels dormant. Where do you feel discouraged by lack of fruit? Is there an area where you're still waiting on the fullness of what God has for you? And then you can take some time and just think about that. And then um, the next one says, reflect on where your faith currently is in these areas that feel dormant. And write a short prayer to God to ask for help where you want to plant, water, or grow to bear fruit. And end by thanking him for the work he's doing in you. There is something so powerful about moving in a spirit of gratitude. I want to encourage you this morning, if nothing else, if you're just looking at these seasons and you're like, ah, oh, if there's nothing else, if just one step you can take this morning, just move into a place of gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. There's so many things in my life in ministry that I absolutely don't see the fruit and I don't see it coming about anytime soon. And all I just keep speaking to is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you're moving. Thank you, Jesus, that you love me. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a work on my behalf. Just move into that spirit of gratitude and align ourselves with what God's doing. I'm just going to go ahead and pray for us. The band will play, and then they're going to, I think, close out with some worship too. Father, I just thank you that you are so faithful. You are so faithful to us, and you love us, and you are committed to restoring us back to who you had in mind when you conceived us, God. The plans, the purpose, the destiny, the fruit that you want us to bear, you're in this process of drawing us back to who that is for your glory. And Lord, I pray for us as women today, God, that you would remind our hearts that you're at work in the unknown, that you are faithful, that you will fight for us, and Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, I ask, Lord, that you would show your love to them. Show your love to them, God, that you have a plan for them, a dream for them, a destiny for them, that they are not forgotten, abandoned, or overlooked. Even in the most difficult circumstances, God, you are knitting together our destiny, our provision. We thank you, God. We love you this morning. Amen.